Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Cool. Turn with me to Luke chapter 15 today. Luke chapter 15, that's where I'm going to be. Luke chapter 15. We're going to uh, start reading from verse 11. Luke chapter 15 and verse 11 onwards. If you have been in church long enough, maybe the story is uh, familiar to you. And uh, in case you have been and you know the story already, can I encourage you not to shut down and think, oh, I've heard heard that before. Because, uh, uh, you know, the the great thing about the Bible is, uh, one of the great things about the Bible is this. uh, This book contains a lot of ancient stories, but the voice of God is always fresh. It's true. It contains a lot of ancient stories, stories that were written way before you and I were born, or you and I, our parents were born, but the voice of God is always fresh, and I believe God has something fresh to say to us today. So we're going to read today Luke chapter 15, starting from verse 11. The Bible says this, actually I'll read it off the screen behind me. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger son uh, once said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Then uh, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead, is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother came, became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But, he, but when this son of yours has squandered his, your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, uh, the, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. 
but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive and he was lost and is found. I'll read that verse again. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. Celebration is not an option. We had to do it. I'm sorry if you're offended, but we had to celebrate. I'm really sorry if you're offended, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He's lost and is now found. Will you pray with me for a moment, Father? Thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for your word that does not come back to you void. It accomplishes the purpose for it is sent. Father, I release King's Church into a permanent season of celebration for the goodness and the abundance grace that you're going to shower on this house. Let it be. I bind everything that is of the enemy, anything that is demonic, anything that is of the satanic realm that seeks to come and hinder the purpose and the will of God from prevailing in this place. And I say, Lord, speak with power, purpose, and clarity until every demon in our lives and every demonic influence in our community stands straight and salutes the Master Jesus as we walk in surrendered obedience to your voice and to your will. Let your glory be revealed in our house today and in all of our communities. Heal the sick, bind the brokenhearted, let the oppressed go free, and let this day, let this day be a day where the voice of celebration is heard loud and clear for all to know that Jesus indeed is alive. I give you praise and worship in advance for all you're about to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's interesting that this story is not a story that Jesus decided to tell. It actually is a story in response to a criticism that his enemies brought to him. That's why the Bible says Jesus continued. Right from the chapter 15 verse 1 onwards, you see that a few people come to Jesus and say, Jesus, we have a problem with you. We have an issue with you. You seem to be eating with and hanging out with people that we don't approve of. You seem to be eating with sinners. You seem to be hanging out with tax collectors. You seem to be hanging out with all all of the wrong crowd and we have a massive issue with the kind of friends that you have. So in response to this particular criticism, Jesus begins to tell a series of stories. The first story is the story of a lost sheep. The second story is the story of a lost coin. And then now we come to this third story that we've just read, which is the story of a lost son. And so Jesus is an amazing storyteller. And sometimes when he gets criticized, rather than using it as an opportunity to defend himself and get all defensive, he uses the opportunity even to get even in the midst of criticism to teach on lessons concerning the kingdom of God. And if we are also sons and daughters of God, when things come our way and people criticize us and people point the finger and people are not nice to us and people irritate us, don't be quick to assume that that's the reason for you to get upset and the plan of God is being delayed in your life. Often it can be God's opportunity to bring something beautiful and something of kingdom purpose in and through your life that will not only bless you but bless the community around you so we have this entire story just because jesus got criticized imagine if you had that mindset 
Imagine every time somebody came against you, rather than moaning about them and complaining about them and going and calling five friends of yours and say, you know what she did? You know what he said to me? Do you know what they did? Do you know what my boss treated? How about go to God and say, God, make something beautiful come out of this. Make kingdom purpose be birthed through everything that comes my way that I do not like. So he says this story, hey, once upon a time, a father had two sons. The younger son came up to him and said, Dad, I'd like my inheritance, please. Thank you very much. Dad says, here you go. A few days later, he takes all of his inheritance. The Bible says, goes to a distant country. Everyone say distant country. Far country. And the Bible says he spent most of his wealth on just however he wanted. The Bible gives us a clue that part of the wealth was spent on just sleeping with prostitutes. That's what he did. After a while, he ran out of money. And that particular country that he was in went through a famine. So he thought, "Uh uh-oh. No money, no one had to help me. What do I do? And he got really hungry. I don't know about you, but when men get hungry, that's a national crisis. That is a serious problem. So he thought, I got to fix this problem. So he went to uh, he went to a pig farm, and he said, you know what? Um, can you give me some food? They said, no, no, no. So so he just got a job there, or they they accommodated him there, and he started eating the food that was given to the pigs. While he was there, he comes to his senses, and he thought, man, you know what? In my dad's house, even the the slaves, even the servants eat better than me. So I'm going to go back to my dad. I'm going to write up an incredible apology. Father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. I am not even worthy to be called your son. Treat me please like one of your hired slaves and, and I'll make it up to you. So he goes back. The Bible says when the dad saw him from a distance, the dad ran to him, hugged him, put uh, a ring on his finger, clothes on his body, shoes on his feet. Kills the fatted calf, throws a party, and everyone's partying. And the older son was out in the field working. He comes back. He's not happy that they're partying because the son has spent all the money, all of his dad's money, sleeping with prostitutes. And this older son has been slaving away for his dad. He has an issue. Dad says, sorry, we're going to celebrate anyway. And that's the story. The question is, how does this answer the complaint in the first place? Because this... Is response to a complaint. Jesus, you seem to be hanging out with people that we don't approve of. I want to bring some principles from the Word of God that I believe will be very prophetically significant for King's Church as a church as a whole, but also for your lives very personally, because these are principles of grace that are necessary for you to continue the journey that God has already put you on. How many of you know you're already on a journey? You're already on a journey with God, whether you're seeking God, whether you're not seeking God, whether you're here, you're a Christian or you're not a Christian. I tell you, if you do not know Jesus and you are here, you're already on a journey anyway. You're not here by accident. There is a divine plan and a purpose why you are here and you are on a journey with God. And the more we understand about God's grace, the more we get helped to continue the journey with God. So I want to draw some principles out from the word of God concerning that. Number one, when the, old, the, when the youngest son gets all of his property and goes to the, this distant country, he spends all of that he has and he comes to a place of famine. The Bible says God uses that, that, that condition or that, that experience or those circumstances. And when those circumstances arrive, the thing that comes to his mind is that, you know what? My, my father's house, my father's house, things are much better in my father's house. 
things are much better in my father's house. You know, one of the one of the great one of the great uh, wickedness that 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 the devil or, or or the kingdom of darkness does is sometimes when you lose your way, sometimes when you sin, sometimes when you fall, sometimes when you think, man, I, I thought I had started my journey well, but I seem to have hit a pause. I seem to have hit a, a break. I seem to have gone off the rails. What do I do? You know what the devil does? The devil comes to remind you, yes, you are right. You went away. You are a sinner. You are indeed a very wicked person. You have no idea who, how bad you are. In fact, you are worse than you actually thought you are. You know, and all these thoughts come to your mind. But when this man hit rock bottom, the thing that he gets reminded of is not how wicked he is. He gets reminded of how good his father's house is. The Holy Spirit, whenever you reach your lowest point in life, He does not point out to how bad you are and what you did to make the problem worse. He points out to the fact that God is always good. He has always been good and He will continue to be good. And I want to prophesy over you as a church today. God has always been good. He is good. And He will always be good. You might have hit rock bottom and you're sitting here thinking today, God, where do I go? I have nowhere to go. I'll tell you this. You go to God because He is good. He's good. Principle number two on how we continue the journey. The Bible says He went to a distant country. Everyone say distant country. And the Bible says that there was a famine in that distant country. The Bible also says that he had absolutely no money left. The Bible also says that nobody in the country was willing to help him. True? Here's the question. How did he find his way back home then? If he had no help and no money and no food. It's not a near country. Back in the day, they didn't have flights. There was no Ryanair. You couldn't just come and buy a ticket for 30 quid and fly. This is a distant country. No trains, no planes. An interesting fact about the dad's confession concerning his son, in, as opposed to his, the, the younger brother's confession concerning himself, is very interesting. The younger son says... Uh, I came to my senses and I decided to come home. But, but have you noticed why the father is actually celebrating? The father doesn't say, uh, we're celebrating because our youngest son came to his senses. He says, no, we're celebrating because the youngest son was lost and he has now been what? found. Now, you can't use the word found if you haven't been searching. So the father says, the reason this guy came home is not because he came to his senses. The reason this guy came home is because I had an army searching out for him. And sometimes when you do not see anybody with you, you always have to remember those that are for us are more than those that are against us. And no matter who does not stand with you, when God is standing by your side, 
Even though your pockets are empty and your stomach is rumbling with no food and it's a distant country and you wonder how am I ever going to reach there? The Bible says that because of the blood of Jesus, the distance that was far has been brought near. And because of His precious blood, no matter how far we are, we're always near. We can make it. We can make it. We may not have a plane ticket. We might not be able to afford the MOT on our car. But the blood of Jesus has given us access to the Father's house. And that is enough. That is enough. Because you see, when great destiny is released over a group of people like you are, a great church like you are, everything will be thrown your way. To pause that journey, derail that journey, make you tired along the journey, sin along the journey, wondering, oh God, have I blown it? I'm here to announce to you that this day the journey continues. By the grace of God, the journey continues. No matter how tired we get, no matter how stuck we get, no matter how, how despondent we feel, the journey continues because of the grace of God. He continues, he comes home. And he has written an elaborate apology. Father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me please like a hired servant. The father completely ignores his apology. Completely ignores it. Does not even respond to it. You know why? Because you are not a son by worth. You are a son by birth. You're not a son by worth. You are a son by birth. No, but none of the two boys go up to Phil or Emma and say, Father, will you count me worthy to be your son? No. No matter how, how troublesome they've been that day, they're not sons by worth. They're sons by birth. The father completely ignores his apology. And he says these words, bring out a robe. Bring out a ring, bring out some shoes and let's kill the fatted calf. Let's eat and celebrate because my son who was lost has been found. My son who is dead is now alive. I want to say to you, some of you have been trying to earn the righteousness of God, earn the love of God, earn the feeling of being loved, earn the feeling of being thought actually am I a son am I a daughter I want to hear it again your sonship has never changed your daughtership has never changed if there is a word like that God has loved you with an everlasting love and no matter how far you feel today you are his son because he has given you birth by his powerful word and that's why it's important to be in a place like this where we receive the word of God because the Bible calls the word of God the imperishable seed. Because a lot of things will try and kill your destiny, your purpose, your plan. But as long as something that it cannot be killed is deposited in your spirit, no matter what comes to kill you, will not be able to succeed or prosper because that which is imperishable has been deposited on the inside. So make it a point 
to be plugged into church. No matter how many reasons you get on a Sunday morning to wake up thinking, man, the football's on, Liverpool are playing, I had a rough night last night. No matter how many reasons come up in your head, turn up here and listen to the word of God. Because sometimes it is just one word that can transform your entire situation and send you on a path that will be never, that you will, that would have missed if you had stayed at home. I say this to people everywhere. When I talk about the importance of the word of God, the word of God is so powerful that in that word contains all of the creativity to execute the creation. Let me prove it to you. You see, the Bible says that in the beginning, God said, let there be the birds of the air. And the Bible says, and there were the birds of the air. You see, God did not say, by the way, let there be a dove and let there be a peacock and let there be an eagle and let there be a vulture. And he didn't go and list every single bird and say, oh, by the way, let them have two wings, let them have a beak. By the way, let the dove be white, let the pigeon be gray. He didn't have to do that. He said, let there be the birds of the air. And millions of species heard the voice of the master saluted in obedience to his spoken word. You know why? Because that one word within it had all of the DNA of the millions of species and all of it heard the voice of God in one single moment and it came into being even though it was not. So sometimes when you come to the the house of God to worship, it could be one word that you're hearing. You think it's just one sentence, but it's not one sentence. In that word there is dynamite and in that word is all of the creativity and all of the detail and all of the provision and all of the why and the when and the how and the what and what ifs. All of it is contained in the precious word of God. If you think about it, all of your prayers have to do with when, why, how, God, please, yes, no, maybe. Isn't it? What if all of that detail was just in the promises of God? And God doesn't really have to talk through all of the details. Feel God's not going to show you all of the details. Sometimes he's just going to give you the headlines. But the headline is the proof that the details have been taken care of. Bring a robe. Bring a ring. Bring some shoes. And let's kill the fatted cow. Everybody say fat cow. Great. Great. Any farmers in the house? Anyone with dairy farming? No. Okay. In case, in case... You don't have to be farmers to figure this out. But let's, let's, let's throw this question out there. How long does it take for a cow to get fat? Come on, throw me some answers. Let's have a dialogue. How long does it take for a cow to get fat? A long time. Two years? You think that's a good approximate? Two years? Depends, depends on how fat. Oh, brilliant answer. Dep- depends on how fat the cow is. Over and over again, about three, three or four times in the story, we are drawn, our attention is drawn to the fact that the cow that was killed was fat. I wonder if that cow got some insecurities just because he just heard, you're fat, you're fat, you're fat, you're fat. Fat cow, let's kill the fatted cow. My point is, A cow does not get fat overnight, does it? It takes a few months. It takes a few years. So here's my question. When the cow was getting fat, what was the younger son doing? 
sleeping with prostitutes. So when the son was sleeping with prostitutes, what were they doing in the father's house? Storing up fat to be released when he would come back and be a son again. You see, sin doesn't necessarily rob us from the blessing of God. Sin robs us of the identity we have as sons, makes us slaves, and that robs us of the blessing of God. But every time we come back to God and we decide to put our big apology down and we say, God, all I am is because of your generous love and your generous grace and generous mercy. What happens is not that you have to somehow work your way up the ladder and please your dad so that one day he might give you a chicken and then three months later you graduate to a goat and five years later you will eventually get the fat cow. But every time you come back to grace, all of the fat that has been stored up for you gets released in a day when you discover that God's grace is amazing. You mean, dad, all the while I've been away, all you've been doing is storing up fat for me? You see, in the Bible, the word fat is a symbol of the prosperity and the blessing of God. Right throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament, every time God used the word fat, it talked about the abundant favor, the prosperity, the blessing, the undeserved goodness and kindness of God that runs to you, rushes to you for no good thing that you have done. And the Bible says all of the fat got released. The day he came back and decided, you know what? I'm going to be a son again. And that's why sometimes in life you go through seasons and it's just one blessing after the other. Have you, have you ever meant, um, yeah, and you want those days to just continue? You know, you just want, what just happened this month? You know, somebody just came in and said, oh, I, th- I feel I should give you this money. And somebody said, oh, I think you should go on a holiday. And the boss said, you, you should, you should, uh, you feel like I need to promote you. And every, oh, in the marriage, there's not a single argument. You think, what just happened this week? You know what happened? All of the fat that was stored up for you just got released. Just like that. That's what happened. So the amazing story about grace is nothing is lost. It's only stored for you to claim it. Say that again. The amazing story about grace is that nothing is lost. It's only stored for you to claim it. How do you claim it? By having faith. Not in your goodness. Not in your effort. Not in your, your, your greatness. But in the greatness of God and His generosity. When that happens, fat is released. I want to prophesy over you that the coming season is going to be the most fattening season in your life. Is that okay? I don't mean you're going to gain a few pounds. I mean you're going to have incredible success, prosperity, wealth, and favor coming your way. All the things that have been held up in delay is going to be released. When I was praying for King's Church this morning and preparing and coming here, I saw so many blessings of God that have been released but have been held up and delayed. But we're going to pray and 
we're going to pray and prophesy that all of that is going to be released. Are you ready? Here you go. I'm going to declare it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that over every person that is listening to the sound of my voice, there will be a release of such blessing, such prosperity, such advance, such health, such kingdom breakthrough that it will be unbelievable to even recognize how good you are. I praise you that you're going to kill the fatted calf for us. I thank you that nothing is lost and it's all coming back home in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Hey, how many of you have ever been to a party and it's been a wild party? Show your hands up. How many of you were one at, uh, at one of those last night? can't do that because you're in church, can you? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but um, I, I wonder what kind of party this was because, <clears throat> because the Bible says that um, the older brother came from the field and the Bible says he heard the sound of music from a distance. Ever been to a party where you could hear the music from a distance? Okay. That's possible. But the Bible says he heard the sound of dancing from a distance. Now, how do you hear dancing from a distance? Uh, you can see dancing from a distance, but how do you hear dancing from a distance? This was a major party. I mean, there were so many people at this party that when they danced, you know, a down, down, down the road you could hear them dancing. That's a major, major party. The amazing thing about grace is that whenever you walk into the prosperity and the abundant goodness of God, you create and prosperity. How many saying, God bless me, bless me, bless me, till everybody, till every one of my friends are dancing because of me, till everybody in my family is dancing because of me. When, when, when somebody, when somebody ha- looks at their phone and I'm ringing, they should be like, wow, we're about to start dancing. Because you know that sometimes when people call you and you look at their name and you just go, I'll take that one later, you know? But you don't. You don't want to be that person. You want to be a person that creates an atmosphere of celebration. All right. Hey, let's, let's dream for a minute. What would King's Church be like if all of us carried that atmosphere? Where everybody in our world was dancing for joy because of the Father's generosity to our lives. And do you know what? That's not true because I'm preaching this today. That's true every day because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. That's why we need to bring our friends to church. We need to call them. Because you, you never know. You never know what can happen in a moment. And every time I hear the story, I'm, 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 I've heard the story two or three times before. But I heard it fresh today of, of Pastor Phil coming into this church for the first time and encountering the presence of God. And it was not even a Sunday morning. It was somewhere midweek and there was about, what, eight people? And the presence of God impacted him. And everything changed from that day. And we can somehow get a bit sheepish about, you know, coming to a, a midweek meeting or a prayer meeting or, or a men's breakfast or, or helping out in, in the youth or you think, well, I don't even know if that's going to work. Hey, it's not about you changing lives. It's about God changing lives. 
It's about introducing them to an atmosphere of celebration and dancing that makes them go, Wow, this is too good to be true. I want to join the party. So can I encourage you to not get stuck on the journey, but to continue the journey by making sure that this year we will go over the top in evangelizing, spreading the news, bringing people to church, bring them to the first service, bring them to the second service. There should be a queue of people lining up saying, you know what, we want to come and help with the youth work, whether it's even just coming and hoovering the carpets after. I'm not good with kids, but I can clean up. Do it. Serve. Because it might be just that that introduces somebody else to the presence of dancing that can be heard a mile away. Dancing that can be heard a mile away. The older son obviously has a problem. The older son was my favorite character in the Bible growing up because I felt I could relate to him. God, I'm the good boy. And I never get anything good. What's going on? Well, your son has come home and your dad has killed the fatted calf and we're having a party. And the Bible says, the oldest son refused to go in. He said, I'm not joining the party. Refused to go in. You know, I've been at King's Church for five years and they don't use me. Here's somebody who comes three months ago and now they're on the rota. I'm not going in. Oh, it's sorry. It's just in my church. It doesn't happen here. I'm so sorry. So sorry. So sorry. So sorry. Don't, don't do that to the house of God, okay? Don't do that. That's the oldest son syndrome. We don't want that. Yeah? We don't want that. I'm not joining the party. The amazing thing is, just because a few people, or just because the oldest son complain, the father doesn't pause the party. Can I tell you, whether you like it or not, God's going to build His church. Whether you like it or not, King's Church is going places. Whether you like it or not, the promises concerning this house of God will be fulfilled. Whether you like it or not, all of the words that God has for your life will be fulfilled. And just because you don't like it, the party isn't pausing. So, join the party. Okay. Join the party. Join the party. Psalm 145 says that he is faithful to all of his promises. All of his promises. He is faithful to what? All of his promises. How many of you have got promises over your life that you haven't seen yet? You know, I do. He is faithful to all of his promises. To all of his promises. I want to make a couple more suggestions and comments concerning this before we close. Can I, get, can I get you to come and play the keys for me a bit? Is that all right? He says, I'm not going in. I'm not going in. The, 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 father, comes, the father comes to him a, a, and makes this amazing statement. He says, he says, son, everything I have, the son says, look, these many years I've served you, I've never disobeyed your command. You never even gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But the son of yours came. He has devoured your property with prostitutes. You kill the fatted calf for him. He said, son, you're always with me. You see, 
he refers to himself to his dad as i have slaved but the father refers to him as son see this really is in the story of the prodigal son it's the story of two slaves one was a posh slave and one was a poor slave what's the point you're a slave what's the point in being away from the father's house and not receiving anything and what's the point in being in the father's house and not receiving anything you're a slave coming to church does not make you a christian it's like saying if i go to the garage i'll become a car no you don't son you are always with me and everything not just a goat all he wanted was a goat he said no 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 everything that i have is actually yours thank you for listening and we trust that the word of god has inspired you today for further information about king's church or to access our large archive of other recordings go to www .kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.